Hello everybody, Stephen Platt here, the host of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just a quick pre-show announcement uh, regarding the upcoming episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club where we review Dead Poets Society. Now, in this episode, there is some discussion of gun violence, and in particular, uh, firearms in America. It's only a small part of the episode, but I felt it was only fair to warn you ahead of the episode that this is coming up in case you've been heavily affected by recent occurrences in El Paso, in Texas, and Dayton, in Ohio. Um, this particular episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club was recorded a few days before uh, those horrific events, which is why um, our discussion of guns in America might seem a little bit flippant. Uh, so this is just to let you know that, um, that that's what's happened, uh, and that is in the episode, so if you're not feeling up to it, or you don't think that it's the right time to hear a couple of uh, seconds of discussion on that, um, then by all means, don't continue listening. Uh, but otherwise, we hope you enjoy the episode, here is our review of Dead Poet Society. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week marks 30 years since the release of the film Dead Poets Society. And it's not a coincidence I said that, because that's the film we're reviewing today. Uh, this week is actually also a little bit uh, more sadly. Uh, the week of release is also the fifth anniversary of the passing of one of the film stars, Robin Williams, uh, who of course passed away in 2014. Uh, and we obviously miss him dearly. He was a fantastic performer, and so we thought this would be a nice way to mark that occasion as well. I keep using we. Who are the we? They are my guests. Uh, the first of which, uh, who hasn't seen the film, making her debut on the podcast, will you please welcome Daisy Crombie. How are you, Daisy? Very well, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm very excited. No worries. Uh, just for the folks at home, though, Daisy, uh, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name's Daisy. I'm a student at Murdoch Uni. I'm doing my bachelor's in primary education. Oh, mm. excellent. Yes. Uh, what, what year are you in? Oh, it's been years. <laughs> so it's been a while. <laughs> it's been, been a there. long time. Okay. Uh, well, not really. I'm technically in my fourth year, so mm. really at the end stretch of it, but I've been at Murdoch for probably about five or six years. Ah, yes. excellent. Yes, yeah. no, I, I can definitely relate to that feeling. <laughs> um, and so what do you know about Dead Poets Society? Uh, well, very minimal. I'm kind of a blank slate in terms of this movie, um, other than obviously Robin Williams is in it, and I had no idea about the significance of the anniversaries the 30th anniversary um the 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 release of the movie and yeah yeah I had no idea about that um so yeah really a blank slate I know that it's well renowned I know that it's had a lot of high praise and it's kind of a classic but other than that not not too much all right well Mm. joining us as our guest who has seen the film uh who'll hopefully guide us both through because I similarly haven't seen Dead Poets Society either (gasps) Um, our guest who has seen the film, it's Daniel Buckle. Hello. How are you, Dan? Yeah, really well, thanks, Stephen. I didn't know you hadn't seen it. Oh, I snuck it in just then, just wow. to surprise you. Well, yeah. blow me down and call me Timber. <laughs> uh, well, in that case, Timber, uh, who are you and what do you do? Um, well, uh, I'm I'm a performer, children's entertainer. Um, and lover of Robin Williams. Excellent. Well, uh, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, uh, let's start with Robin. How good is he in this film? Oh, it's... A, a lot of people dislike his serious acting mm-hmm. um, and prefer him to just make the funny funnies, but um, I like everything about him, so I, I really love it when he's doing his more serious work. Um, uh, there was there was a time in my in my youth when I thought he was... The pinnacle of acting excellence. Mm. Um, uh, look, he's still not far off in my esteem, but uh, but yes. I'm curious to know who is the pinnacle. I knew that question would come up. Um, that's that's a tough one. Mm. There are many different answers now. I don't I don't think it's so simple as there is just one ring to rule them all. Mm. Um, there are there are you know three for elves. Uh, anyway, we could go on. Mm. Um, the point is. 
He's really good. Look, it's a very long-winded way of saying Judy Dench, but <laughs> I totally accept that answer. And I can't really argue with that. Yeah. And in terms of uh, the film itself, Dead Poet Society, when did you last watch it? Oh, it was a while ago. Um, I I think the last time I watched it was in high school. Um, not not for high school, but um, you know, we're in in English and it. Struck a struck a chord there, um, and uh, so probably when I was about, or oh, probably about like fourteen or something. So mm. that's fourteen years ago. Mm. So um, half a lifetime away. Yeah, quite literally. Mm. Mm. Well, with all that being said, uh, shall we watch the film, guys? Yeah. For those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare to stand on your desks as we watch Dead Poets Society. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Dead Poet Society. And by we, I, of course, mean Daisy and Daniel. Yay! So, Daisy. Yes? That was your first time watching Dead Poet Society. It was, as it was your first time watching Dead Poet Society, Indeed. Stephen. Yes. So, uh, let me know and let the listeners know, what did you think? Um, oh. I mean, I really didn't know much about the movie before I watched it, so it's not like I had huge expectations because I didn't really know what to expect, except for the basics of um, what we spoke about earlier. But I was slightly underwhelmed. Okay. Yeah, which I'm shocked to say because I really thought um, that I would enjoy it like much, much more than I did. Not mm. to say that I didn't enjoy it, um, but yeah, I don't know whether okay. it did it for me as much as I was anticipating that it would. Okay. Mm. Maybe perhaps you, you felt you had a bit of a built up, a sort of big yeah, building of expectations. Yeah, a bit of a built up expectations yeah. just for how much um, uh, people talk this movie up, how renowned it is and how, you know, well-loved and how well-spoken it is, um, how well people, people talk about it. Um, so maybe I did have a bit of that expectation built up in the back of my mind. Mm. I don't know. That's fair. Dan, this was your first time watching it in um, half your lifetime, as we established previously. <laughs> yes. um, how, how was it for you watching it this time? Uh, well, um, I, I remembered, I remembered the, the, the broad points of it, um, but in my memory from 14, there was a lot more Robin Williams and a lot less random lineup of teenagers that I... I couldn't tell much apart. I mm. uh, got almost there by the end with some of the names, but for the most part, they all blended into one. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether that was just me. Like some of their faces, I was like, "Is that the same? Is that the same kid? No, different kid, different yeah. scene." I, yeah. I think. I think um, over the course of that, because this is a two-hour film, so you do get a bit of time with them, but they're also. I think it's an issue with. Um, films that have this school setting sometimes is that they're kind of all in very similar positions and I don't think uh, the setting um, or indeed the way that this was shot because it was quite realistic um, mm -hmm. the way a lot of this was put was presented it doesn't then do a lot to differentiate um, what what the differences are between those boys mm. so for example uh, Neil uh, Robert Sean Leonard's character um, is meant to be quite a bit poorer or his family's meant to be poorer than the others but that's something that only really comes in because his father mentions it, it mentions it out loud yeah in the mm. um in, in the final act of the film and that house is not a poor person's oh, no. house it's <laughs> no. poor maybe relative to the other super rich kids but uh that's not a poor person's house so was that super relevant for the storyline for him to have been poor like is that something we needed to know for his character well it it put a lot of uh, his his dad then had extra pressure on him because it wasn't mm. like oh, it's sort of um, like look at I didn't he, I remember him saying yeah. you didn't have I didn't have the same opportunities as mm. you mm. when I was your age so yeah. I really want you to be a doctor because look at this opportunity you have yeah so was it that pressure I think I think mm. that's part yeah. of it it builds into the fact that like, we know that um, that Neil was an only child because of the pictures in the home mm. and you know we know that the fact his father was there on like the opening day and was very present was yes. very much part of this this is another bearing father figure uh, type mm -hmm. character. So I thought that that was more to do with him being, um, so Neil being an only child, as we found out, like that would add on all the pressure. Mm. His, his only son mm. wanting him to be successful and wanting the best for his son and being controlling in that way. Um, but I didn't realise that the money thing would have, would have tied into that. 
I mean, it was a very affluent school, and yeah. certainly, and, and again, because these are all um, kids that are from very similar families and very similar time periods, they all have a kind of look they've got. I mean, for starters, mm. they're all white boys, um, yeah, and they're and then, all in uniform, and they're all in uniform, Quite and then, literally. and then on top of that, you've got the fact that they've all kind of got similar hair cut styles. Um, you know, the, the only reason that Cameron stands out is because he's ginger. There's and a- everyone says his name derisively. Yeah. I'd like a counter, actually. We should have started counting how many times people say Cameron. Oh, Cameron. Yeah. Cameron. <laughs> Although that said, by the end of the film, it was deserved. Yeah. Oh, true. what a weasel mm. at the end yeah. there. Yeah. 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 But um, wasn't he one of the people standing up? I tried looking for that because Captain. he was the first one to throw him under the bus. I, to yeah. throw Keating under I, the bus. I, I, I didn't see maybe him. I saw him do. I, I saw him do a bit yeah. of confused yeah. looking around, but yeah. I didn't see him uh, do the standing up. And to be honest, he shouldn't have because he no, sold him down the river. He's not a traitor. He is yeah. a Judas. Yeah. Well, let's admit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, the plot of this film is actually quite simple. It's a um, bunch of kids are in school. They get a wacky new English teacher who's <laughs> what? Well, well, his methods are messing with how the old crowd do things. <laughs> And then there's a suicide. Uh, yeah, so I was not expecting no, that. No, and I, and I yeah. have to say that completely threw me. That uh, threw me yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Neil's uh, suicide. Uh, it was. It was one of those things where, because this is a Peter Weir film, and Peter Weir is a very distinctive star, which we've covered in films on this podcast previously, uh, including a Picnic at Hanging Rock. Ah, right. Yeah, we mentioned that. Yes. Um, it's. When he's been he's been told by his father that no, we're going to put you in a military school and then you're going to become a doctor and essentially saying you know mm. the next ten years of your life are going yeah, to be still in taking school. your whole life away to do what I want you to do. Yeah, mm. and then Neil, he goes for that that sequence where he's not wearing a shirt and he puts on the puck crown and has the windows open and you're like okay this could just be some Peter Weir weirdness that's that's fine <laughs> and then the pan pipe type music and it was a starts bit playing. slow mo and like the snow was yeah. coming in. And then he starts going downstairs, and you're kind of like, oh, that's probably not good. And then <laughs> getting the gun out of the father's bedside unit, you're like, this this is troubling. And then, it, yeah, it's yeah. all of that adds into this. I was kind of thinking that he was going to, like, pull it on his dad and be like, this is what you get for telling me how to live my life. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, because initially I thought we were saying, you know, oh, he might be running away. He might be, like, rubbing stuff off his folks and then mm-hmm. running away. And then, no, uh, it's he goes into the study and, and blows his brains out, unfortunately, which is... I- I must admit, um, I I knew um, what what how his character was going to end, um, but I I remember um, so when we were just watching it then, and it came to the big thing of you know no you're going to go to military school that sort of thing. I was like okay cool, what happens after this? I can't remember what happens in between this and his suicide, and it turns out nothing. Yeah, um, no, it was a yeah got straight to it. That that really blindsided me as well, and I've seen it. Mm. And it's, I mean, it completely obviously changes the tone of the film. Um, and it's, it, it's pre- I think it's presented quite well. Uh, I think I think Peter Weir always does a pretty good job when, when um, filming uh, anything that is to do with characters who are going through troubling times. He always has a very interesting way of filming uh, that. And But the, particularly the shot of him descending the stairs reminded me of a lot of the shots from Picnic at Hanging Rock of the girls walking mm. around the rock before they... Um, have a picnic? Have a picnic. I haven't seen oh. the film. Oh, oh, I haven't seen Picnic at Hanging no, Rock. But I yet. assume they have I mean, a you don't need to. Well, uh, in my in my opinion well i mean there is uh, episode 38 of this podcast if you want to go back and listen to i find actually out. will just to see what you what you guys yeah. another opinion other than david oh, it's just a lot of, I basically what i remember of picnic and hanging rock is basically a lot of descents a lot of ascents a lot of peering and a lot, a lot of pan pipes <laughs> wow okay yeah. so I just would... a lot of different mm. angles and staring mm. and touching rocks this film had a lot of staring as well yeah a lot of staring out of well it's it's very much part of peter weir's style but i do think that having watched hanging rock and then coming forward to this there's a definite jump in the the quality of what he's doing film wise and also i think the the text is uh, arguably a bit simpler this one um Mm. dead poet society than Mm. than hanging rock was sorry what what year was picnic at hanging rock that was 74 from memory like it was it was it was oh no maybe later 70 77 or 78 possibly anyway oh so still like more than a decade before yeah this yeah, one. yeah yeah and then of course obviously he's gone on to do lots of things since then the truman show is probably um uh, the big one mm. but i i think this is this is a very well shot film but i'm, I'm gonna agree with you daisy i did feel a tad underwhelmed 
And I don't know if it's just because this is cited as being such a, you know, it's a Robin Williams film. Mm. And I think there are expectations of maybe having more Robin Williams in it. Yeah, I mean, there were slight humorous bits, which I, I really thought would come out a bit more, you know, when he was putting on different accents for all the different different poets, like, oh, how would Shakespeare sound? You know, mm. how would... Mm. Yeah, but it really didn't have that humorous element. Not that, not that it needed it, obviously, for the for the sort of film that it was. Yeah. But it really wasn't the sort of Robin Williams that I'm used to. Yeah, and, well, I mean, to be honest, I really liked what Robin Williams was doing. This is very much in his wheelhouse of serious acting mm. stuff. Um, and he... I think he played this John Keating role pretty much note perfect. I think it was, you know, it was soft and delicate, but also passionate and um, and was just very, very finely balanced. He had some very good moments. Yeah. Of um, understated earnestness. Yeah, but I think because because Rodman is such, or was such a big name, um, he's, you know, he's the biggest star of this film. I think it actually detracts away from the other stories and the other characters because you're kind of just like when yeah. are they going to get because also I the actually char- thought that i'd see more of him in the yeah, film yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember there being more of him but i'd, I'd like to know how much screen time um he got all up. I, the I, students, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it was very yeah. very much but, but this is that's, re- that's probably good in a way because it's sort of about how he impacts the students yes. so we're seeing that more yes. from yeah. what's happening for them than him but this is really more a story about those students yes. um and i remember specifically about the characters of neil and todd and todd mm. played by uh, baby even hawk mm. um little hawkling <laughs> yes the hawkling just a <laughs> just a very um just a just a very it was weird seeing him look so Distraught. well young for starters and then and then secondly yeah he mm. plays this character who's just trapped in their shell their eggshell if you will and um Ooh. is is just struggling to break out and uh i thought he was maybe the best thing in this film I, I yeah i i actually think it's maybe the best thing i um can remember him doing i, I can't think of a better role that i've that i've seen him in um which seems a shame because this was probably early in his career mm. um yeah, I I, young, I really but... adored him, um, and actually a lot of the a lot of the young kids I thought weren't the. Uh, do you know how old the actors were, Stephen? They would have been, I'm guessing, early twenties. Yeah, uh, by the look of them, I can have a look while you speak. Well, they actually do look like they oh, could one have or been. Two of them seemed like they were quite baby faced. Yeah, like, I'd say pushing like sixteen even. Yeah, well, so, some are they. I think it. they pretty much all looked like they were. They were uh, possible high schoolers. Um, I could have believed that. Certainly more than than what you often see is like oh, these yeah. mid thirties actors oh, going. So funny. Yeah, so puberty is uh, <laughs> so horrible, right? Like Grace, yeah. where they're all obviously mid thirties. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Robert Sean Leonard, who played Neil, was twenty when this was sh- yeah, when this was go. released. Um, Just and out of teenagehood. Ethan Hawke was eighteen. Whoa! Ooh, yeah, he baby. looks it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, they they were they were you know just just dead little, but also yeah. they they, mm. they were just very true performances, very mm. true to life, and mm. I think this film does a really good job of that. It's not the other inspiring characters that you see Robin Williams plays in his career. Sometimes there's that ever so slight uh, sort of deviation into uh, the acerbic or the uh, slightly more fantastical. Mm. Um, so someone like Patch Adams, for example, yeah. um, I feel goes a little bit more into that while still being mostly retained in reality and actually being based on a true character and also yes being really oh yeah who's he based on pat um, Evans, uh, the, wait, the wait. guy who who founded I... the um the the humor foundation who do like clown doctors really i mm. didn't know that i thought that was all fiction nope that's real well fancy that mm-hmm. huh cool uh but yeah it's it's i think it's um it really is interesting seeing the character of Todd's progression. And it, you sort of expect it from these films that, you know, you, you, this character who starts off very sort of mm. uh, meek and and mm. um, softly spoken and kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. And seeing that progression um, over the course of, of the narrative and they normally have their big defining act. He saved it right till the end, his yeah. big defining act. So I was thinking, like, obviously throughout the movie, he's so timid, he's so quiet. There has to be a moment where he comes out of his shell and proves that he's, you know, he has his own voice. Hmm. I was thinking when Neil's father was saying, oh, you can't be in part of this performance. Oh, but it's tomorrow night. Pa, I need to be in the performance. Hmm. I thought maybe Todd was going to take his place and maybe he was going to oh, do yeah. some acting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's not a bad idea. I, I hadn't considered that. Um, trying to learn all of the lines for Puck, though, would have been quite problematic. You know how he's always sitting there with his book, taking notes? I was like, maybe he'd been... been studying the lines yeah. the whole time. 
I was really, part of my brain was really thinking that that was going to happen. They'd yeah. put him on the spot and say, look, we need someone for the performance because Neil's dad's taking, taking him out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah, it. It could have been. I mean, it wasn't. But <laughs> <laughs> There were a few other uh, lads going around doing things. Uh, the character of Knox, I quite enjoyed. So because I found them hard to differentiate and <laughs> like I say, I've seen that before. Um, Knox was the one who was interested in uh, in the blonde-haired girl. Yes, yes, more than interested. He'd, yeah. he'd fallen in love. He declared his love and mm. recited poetry to her. In, in a very, in a very uh, Romeo and Juliet way after seeing her one time. Mm. Well, look, you put a bunch of boys in a, in a school by themselves oh, for that long. It's, so. it's potentially going to cause issues. Not that I'm saying single gender schools are a problem. But in this specific context, a lot of bad stuff happened in a single gender school. Um, the, but I think I thought it was actually quite well dealt with this because it, there's always the worry with, you know, the I've seen a girl one time and I love her and I'm going to claim her and quest her because she's something to be won because she's property. Ah. Mm. I kind of like the fact that he had a little bit of that attitude that comes from being young and unaware, mm-hmm. but was shown that his intentions towards her were always quite sweet. Like at the party oh, when he's the, had a yeah. bit to drink and she's lying there and we're all going, oh no, this isn't good. And he mm. gives a little peck on the head, uh, on the forehead while yeah. she's asleep and rubs her hair, which is obviously still, still, still a little, still, still, yeah, it's, yeah, it's still crossing a line. She yeah. was asleep, and yeah, yeah. You know, I'm still unaware. there going, okay, that's that's some warranted contact. Um, yeah, it was d- a bit of a relief that. when he kissed her head, actually, because yeah. it was a very slow scene, and he mm. was just you know blurry eyed looking at her, and she's just unconscious on the couch, and I'm thinking, mm. oh my god, but like, I, what's, mm. where's that going to go? But I think the way that the film portrays it, and I think the intention is to show that he is someone who genuinely has good intentions mm. for Grace. Also, they didn't, like, ever have a, a screen kiss, did no, they? No, the, the no. Last, the last we saw of them was at the oh, play holding and hands. Holding yes, hands. they had a little so hand it was, it was just like a, maybe, maybe eventually something will, mm. will come and that'll be yeah. cool. So I like that they didn't try and shoehorn yeah. a full-on... Oh, I actually love you as well. And I also like they gave Grace the scene of her turning up at the school and essentially saying, what, I can't come to your school? And then them having that conversation of him going, I like you and I think you might like me. And her going, oh, I kind of do. Ah. <laughs> and then <laughs> I wish Someone she'd done it exactly like that. <laughs> oh, I kind of do. Oh. Well, that, that, yeah. And she does the, the, you know, the come hither hand. Oh. Oh, that was, oh, that was so funny. And so unexpected with the white yes. gloves. I think I think it was the glove that made it a bit weird because it just looked so clunky. Yeah. It looked like she'd been directed to do a, a nice come yeah, here. Like a gentle and little... instead it almost was I like pass me the bill or something. Yeah. Mm. No, like like um like a Bruce Lee. Come here. <laughs> Well, Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, but still, mm. definitely not delicate. No, but, yeah, but I, 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 I'm, I'm, the nice thing was for for me at least, I genuinely believed what was happening in those scenes, and I like the fact yeah. that when he turned up to do the poetry thing, because you know he's all inspired by Keating's teachings, and he does the like reads the poem to her, which wasn't ter- a terribly good poem, no. in her high school in front of like other students, and, and just embarrassed her, and embarrasses her, and it doesn't necessarily go well. That, that seemed true to life. I yeah, that, it was like, yeah, I, I can, I can, I'll, I'll pay that. I can get behind this. Uh, and then, of course, there was Charles. Um, Who was? He decided to get super poetic and like started painting lightning bolts on his chest. Oh, that's ah, right. And what did, what yeah. did he um, rename himself? Um, I want oh. to say Zendaya, but I know oh, that's no, an actual not Zendaya. Zendaya. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm. no, no, no. Rwanda? Rwanda? Rwanda. 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 It wasn't Rwanda. Like it wasn't Rwanda. It was not Rwanda. <laughs> one, one it was dire. close. No it, was, it was one dire. One dire. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, and was there a reason for being named one dire? Is that a... Oh, he did explain it, mm. but I wasn't listening at that point. I mean, point. it's probably profound. It probably mm. has a lot of well, meaning. Well, he was taking on a lot of... Um, Native American, Native American things. Symbols. Some would say appropriating. Others would say... <laughs> oh, like when he grabbed the lipstick. Yeah. Yeah, he painted but it on his cheek. Charles is mm. very much uh, that one person which, you know, we, we've all been in, um, I suppose, like university educational environments and more <clears> artistic yeah, environments. Yeah. Okay, well, also... <laughs> you, yeah, and you work in the professional arts, Dan, so we'll, yeah. we'll include you in this. Um, we've all met that one person that gets into artistic endeavours and really gets into it. Mm. Mm. Um, you didn't like his character when he first came on screen, did you, no, Daisy? No, he just had this smug look about him. Mm-hmm. He just seemed very smug. And something about his face, I just, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this guy. Mm. Which was very, you know, 
Judgy. Pres- judgy. I was going to say presumptuous. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but a bit judgy of did, me. Did I did you, come to like his yeah. character. Yeah. Um, I feel like I didn't um, get too attached to many of the characters really, except for Todd and Neil. Mm-hmm. In terms of the boys, yeah. yeah. Well, they're your main two. They're the they're the mm. leads that we're kind of going through the story with. But you know, I quite liked him. I like Specs. I can't remember his actual name. But, oh, Specs! But I they kept referring to him as Specs. You talking about? Yeah, him. and he was just kind of like, you know, doing his thing, and like he kind of invented beatbop by accident or like a rap when he started oh. doing that poem and they all started going yeah, clapping along like, and oh yeah and they had that little you know yeah, going on. that yeah. was that was fun yeah and then of course there was cameron but you know <laughs> cameron was judas cameron. right Ca- yeah. cameron 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 mm. was he's the one who threw keating under the bus initially wasn't he yeah the, yeah. the ginger one Ugh. yeah uh, I, uh, for those of you at home, uh, Daisy is herself ginger. Mm. So she is allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, that would it, have come across as word. very rude to anyone who heard that without the context. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that was a self-referential uh, put down there. Mm. Um, so, overall though, a little bit underwhelmed, Daisy. Yeah, I think I just had quite high expectations. And it's not, and not to say by any means that I didn't enjoy it. I really did. Um, but I wasn't blown away. Mm. Like, um, the one thing that I did compare it to in my mind, which I thought it might be on a similar level, uh, was Goodwill Hunting. Right. Um, just because I've heard, um, and I think similar times that they, that those two movies uh, came Good out. Will Hunting was a, a few years later. It was mm. 97. Oh, right. Um, okay. but that, but Good Will Hunting is also the one that Robin Williams got an Academy Award for. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, but I, but and I, I, but in my head today, whenever I was saying, oh, we're doing Dead Poets Society, I did keep accidentally, I think I kept saying Good Poets Society because... <laughs> I, I um, often mistake the two as well. Yeah. Uh, and there's really very little similarity between mm. them. I mean, it's about, like, you know, a, a man that has impact on a young young person's life. Oh, I guess there's you that. You know, yeah. profound teaches them yeah, to, you, to you, sort of get that courage actually, for themselves. And... you know what? Headcanon, Dead Poets Society is um, uh, the, the one before Good War Hunting. Ooh, Good War Hunting ooh, is ooh. all depressed. Um, uh, in in that case, about his about his wife, mm. um, but uh, it could be because mm. about uh, about his students. Oh, that, what do you um, think? It's a carry on from oh, because he's all why rugged, not? rugged and yeah. jaded and goodwill hunting, yeah. and so so fresh and you know has a glint in his eye in this mm. one, thinking he can change the world through his students and yeah. very hopeful and and um, earnest. And then the trilogy is concluded in RV, where he gives up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Would you guys like some trivia? Not his proudest film, I'm sure. No, no. Uh, Would you guys like some trivia about Dead Poets Society? Would love Uh, some, yeah. Yes. Excellent. Well, you both said yes, so we're going to do it. (laughs) We were going to do it anyway, guys. You know how this works. Hey, what what did you just say? To help his young leads bond, the director, Peter Weir, had them all room together. Oh, like actually yeah. in a boarding school? I'm picturing this, like in those pyjama scenes, right? Where yeah, they're brushing their teeth. Mm. Were they actually doing that in real life? Um, well, I presume dental hygiene was important. I, mean, but... I like to think they were brushing their teeth. But yeah. you know in those sleepover scenes, like, yeah, no, did they, they have did. a similar sort of situation going on? He, he had them sleeping in like a boarding room type arrangement while they were uh, filming it. And I thought that's a really, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And it would have either really worked or really not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or what if Ethan Hawke and... Um, uh, who's he Google? Robert Sean Leonard had fallen uh, out. Yes. Ex- uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Just like, oh, he keeps fighting. This is <laughs> this is no good. <laughs> oh, and by the way, have, have either of you two seen the most recent season of Stranger Things? Yes. <gasps> uh, no, haven't. I haven't. Um, I know. Okay. I've been saving it for like when I've got like three days mm. just to do nothing yep. else. Okay. Uh, well, or even one day. Depends yeah. how dedicated I feel like being. I think I'm, it's probably just going to be the one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did it in about over a 48 hour period um no 36 um but dan just baby ethan hawk in this don't you think he looks so much like um robin from season three of stranger things oh interesting um i i can see the similarity sure i should hope so because ethan hawk is her father <gasps> what yeah well, well, you have to see the similarity now, right? Oh, can we bring up some images just will, to do like a compare yeah, and contrast? I'll, I'll get you an image. But yes, um, the whole time watching this film, I was getting very distracted having just watched the third have... season. And so were, similar you aware, were you aware of the um, the relation? Uh, yes, I was. But I was, I was this whole time I was watching the film and kind of going, man, he just needs a scoops ahoy hat on his yeah, head. Yeah, that would do it. 
he is absolutely that that character. Um, just for the folks at home, I am now showing uh, Daisy a picture of Robin from Stranger Things. <gasps> yeah, the okay. cheekbones, the jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. Mm. I don't know whether I would have seen it without having yeah, that knowledge nose. beforehand, but now that you've brought it to my attention, yeah, absolutely. Wow, you have you have blown my tiny mind. Excellent. Uh, more trivia. <laughs> um, what attracted Robin Williams to the role of John Keating was more than anything else that the fact that John Keating was the type of teacher he had wished he'd had at school. Mm. Ah. Yeah. I feel like all of us could do with an element of that sort of teaching. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think constant inspiration would really grind you down after a while. But... We only had him for one subject. <laughs> They're going, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm a better person well, now, Keating. You would say that you're British. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find it was quite full on. So the scene where um, Keating sort of grabbed Todd by his face and made him like close his eyes and was like, tell me the first thing that comes into your mind, mm. you know, express yourself. I found that to be really intense and it... I didn't enjoy it. I was like, that's... I mean, it's a method of teaching for sure, but... Oh, I don't think it's an acceptable method no, of teaching I mean, anymore. It's, it's unorthodox. Oh, no. yeah. um, Certainly not the grabbing of the face. But yeah, mm. I didn't find that inspiring. I feel like for me personally, that'd be my worst nightmare. Like, mm. I, I hate being, you know, on, um, like, centre of attention by all mm. of those people watching and being mm. forced to, you know, say something on the spot. And, mm. oh my God, that would just freak me out. I think I'd revert more into my shell mm. from, yeah. from the pressure of, you know, say something, say whatever's coming into your head. I think I would just shut down Dan you're a professional improviser do you feel the same uh, uh why would I put me on the spot here uh well yeah I've, I've I've seen some teaching methods try and emulate that uh like in 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 my film school um but uh um it sometimes what well, as, as I saw it it sometimes worked and people were like yeah you know what I just had I just needed to push to break through but um, I remember seeing one person who was quite shy and, and maybe needed a gentler hand um, have a similar sort of, no, you can do it, just go, push through. And she, yeah, she just yeah. broke down sometimes, and it made it, yeah. it made it much worse. Yeah. Extroverts don't know how to help introverts sometimes. Yeah. 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 Look, consent is important, guys. That's what we're learning here. That is the moral of the entire film as mm. far as I was concerned. Yeah. Uh, when the boys show Professor Keating his old senior yearbook picture, that is, in reality, Robin Williams' high school senior picture. Yes. Oh, I was hoping it'd be something mm. like that. Yeah. yeah. So, Very sweet. Yeah. Uh, Peter Weir chose to shoot the film in chronological order to better capture the development of the relationship between the boys and their growing respect for Mr. Keating. Oh, really? That's, that's impressive. Mm. So he's just actually just trying to film the actual thing. He's trying to make it as real as possible. Yeah. Um, and I Do think, you think he succeeded? Look, I, I found it very engaging and I found the reality of the world around them absolutely true. I mean, the mm. fact that they didn't use any artificial snow, that's all, when it snowed, it snowed, mm-hmm. um, is, is all, I think it's compelling. I think it does make for it being uh, quite interesting as a viewer. I think from a production side of things, it could be a tad infuriating, but, um, but I, I think it worked, I would say, for me at least. And... Um, I, I assume for other people, given how popular this film has been. The scene where Todd cries out in the snow was done in one take. Uh, it was originally an interior scene, but when it started to snow, uh, the director, Peter Weir, thought the scene would have more impact if done outside. Uh, the snow was already beginning to let up, so it had to be done in one take, and thankfully, Ethan Hawke managed it. He he nailed it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the, the stumbling take, yeah. really worked for him. Yeah. It was. I was just so sad as well. Like it particularly was. for someone like Todd, who yeah. it took him a while to really warm to other people, and particularly, you know, he made that connection mm. with Neil, and then for Neil to be taken away so suddenly like that, it was. It was just devastating. It was. It was the worst bit of the film for me, to be honest. You know, in it that was kind of like painful. no, yeah. pretty heart wrenching. Mm. Yeah. Um. Oh, and all of them um, when they were singing, uh, the. Oh, was it the school anthem or choirs or something? And they were all just mm. in tears, having to you know conform again. And mm. we're back at school, and mm. we have to we have to do this. Yeah, the different reactions at that scene was were, were really nice. Mm. Ethan Hawke's first impression of the director Peter Weir was that he quote spoke funny. Weir was the first Australian that the young Hawke had ever met. Oh, <laughs> that is adorable. Uh, ironic, because obviously uh, the prime minister at the time was Bob Hawke, who I'm guessing is a relation. Almost certainly isn't for those listening at home, but 
it's just a bit of fun. We can suspend disbelief. Mm. I, I, I like that connection. Norman Lloyd uh, later recalled that Robin Williams was in a somber mood during filming because at the time he was going through a divorce. <gasps> yeah. Oh. So there was not a lot of joking around between takes. Oh. And again, I think that's part that of probably that, helped. Uh, I think part of that real life was filtering through because you're looking at this Keating character and he is very... He's quite sullen when he's not talking mm. to other characters. When you see him by himself in his... Um, in his apartment before Neil comes in, uh, for example, he's mm. just sort of existing, <laughs> which I think is kind of it's kind of interesting for a character that you know espouses so much of this. You need to live and be passionate and all this stuff. When he's by himself, he's sort of just there. He's real in touch with his own we. <laughs> he certainly is. Word of the day. <laughs> The boy in the movie who says the line, the cat sat on the mat, was a St. Andrews student at the time. Through appearing in this film, he earned more money than his teachers that year. By saying the cat sat on the mat. Yeah. Oh, I'm so cool. I did a lame poem. Well, he also stood up at the end on a yeah. desk. So he, I mean, you know, that was powerful, but he, that was all he did in the film. And yeah. he made more money than his teachers. Yeah. I, wow. Does that say more about the film industry or about or teacher, teacher salaries? salaries? <laughs> I think we know it's the latter. Uh, Peter Weir <laughs> attended a private school in Sydney when he was younger, uh, the Scots College. Mm. Um, I'm assuming they were not all Scottish. Um, the uniforms, discipline and overall feel of the school translated into many of the film's scenes. In 1994, a stage production of the film, the first in the world authorised by Touchstone Pictures, was put on by the school. <gasps> Whoa. Pe- oh, by, by Scotch College. Yeah. That's fun. Wow. Peter Weir attended and then uh, did a little speech and spoke about the making of the film as well. That's cool. Spoke about how he made the film because he yeah. hated the <laughs> school so school. much. <laughs> Look, it doesn't say that here. But, but uh, maybe that lends somewhat to how as soon as... Um, uh, Neil found out 10 more years of this kind of a school that is sufficient reason to immediately off myself mm. and we're all going oh th- that came out of nowhere maybe it did Ooh, he already felt the pressure yeah, yeah. Mm. can you imagine being in that environment for oh I would not like to no, no. yes let's not if you are listening to this in a boarding school you have uh, Dan and Daisy sympathies mm. <laughs> so much sympathy yeah. I-, I went to boarding school oh did you I did was yeah. it anything like this I mean it was definitely not a prestigious school by any means. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only similarities are sort of like the mischief. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically my experience of boarding school. You were crafting ham radios to listen to yeah, the latest 50s to, tunes. Oh, we, uh, we used to sneak out. And sneaking out late to read poetry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not to read poetry. But <laughs> <laughs> the Reverend Simon Main, who uh, played the role of the vicar, was an actual vicar. Um, he was the vicar of the St. Andrew's School in Middleton, Delaware, where this movie was filmed. And so they just had him playing his actual real life part. Well, yeah, really was trying to make this as believable as he, as he could, yeah. wasn't he? Interesting. I'm just wondering if Peter Weir like gave Robert Sean Leonard an actual gun and was just like you do listen. what you need to do and Robert Sean Leonard's like no Peter that's okay okay but, but it's there it's, there. <laughs> it's just it's fully loaded it's we want this as real as possible this is, <laughs> this is where we find out that uh, all the actresses from Picnic at Hanging Rock never return uh. <laughs> and that Jim Carrey is actually still trapped inside a snow globe yeah tune in to season 57 of the Truman Show yeah uh, the final bit of trivia I've got is some alternate casting. Uh, all of it to do with the character of John Keating. Um, so there Ooh. are a couple of other potential actors. Ooh. Now, usually, because they tend to get the casting right, um, and I'm going to say they got the casting right oh, in this case. Oh, they really did, yeah. it's, it's more a case of not saying, would they have done it better than Robin Williams? This is just a case of, do you think they could have played a good John Keating? Mm. Uh, Liam Neeson. Oh. He was, I reckon maybe. Yeah, he, I picture him being a lot more solemn, though. Like, you know how we're saying um, mm. that Keating was very reserved in his apartment and, you know, he was only alive and all of that in front of the students. I don't know whether Liam Neeson would have been as alive as, as Robin Williams in mm. those scenes. Can you hear what they're saying? <laughs> Carpe diem. <laughs> I've got a particular set of poets that <laughs> I want you to read. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be a much more like intimidating. 
Hmm. Which can still be inspiring, I guess. In yeah, they'd all be on the way, desks but... every lesson. Oh, Captain, my Captain, don't shoot me! <laughs> I feel like they'd be hiding under their desks, hmm. yeah. Uh, Liam Neeson had originally landed the role when the film was going to be directed by Jeff Canoe, but then lost it to Robin Williams when the um, director Peter Weir came on board. So, yeah, it could have very easily been uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, the, one of the other actors that was linked to it, Dustin Hoffman. I, I reckon he could have done a, a fine job. Yeah, I mean, this is Rain Man period, Dustin Hoffman. Like, this is Ooh, that same yeah. time period. So, I think he could have, I think he could have done quite a good job. Um, what he should, what he should have done is uh, been in a movie a bit similar to this um, as as the sort of teacher role in a similar way to like Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, he should have just kept <laughs> trying to emulate Robin Williams' mm. career. He was in a, a film called Camper Van around the time of Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's actually all right. Again with the RV. <laughs> yeah. What's this strange goo? It's called Prubber. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's purple, I guess. Uh. Uh, Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, Bill Murray. See, I don't think so. Ooh, Love Bill on. Murray, but I don't, I, I don't think he'd be earnest enough. Needs a bit of earnesty. Also, for, th- for those of you at it. home, Daisy and yeah, I have just folded our arms at each other. Yeah, I'm just about to turn in the other direction and <laughs> my back to you in this one. <laughs> yeah, um, so some disagreement on Bill. Um, but no, that's that. I just think he would have brought... Because he's, he's got such personality. Yes, yes, he's funny. But he doesn't care. I think when he... When Robin's doing his jibes on the kids and he's like... It's a little bit like he's bullying them, but then he always <laughs> right, like yeah. teaches them a lesson mm. uh, in, a, in a positive way. I think with Bill Murray, it would have just felt like bullying. Mm. That's that's my thing. Yeah, I, I concur. And I don't think the pullback I would have then believed of him going, nah, but you're all right. Or nah, this is the lesson. Mm. It would have been like... Mm, I, don't, I don't know if I'd have believed it from Bill Murray. Wow. Uh, and the I'm final... like a strong believer this but mm. I you get the idea. just don't listen to me it's all right <laughs> <laughs> and the final actor mel gibson oh, oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, oh but this was this, one. this <laughs> was this was older mel gibson i mean he, he didn't go full crazy until later mm. this um, is lethal weapon era mel gibson oh so, oh, so it's old? still 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 How pretty cuckoo uh this would this this was 30 years ago so he oh. would have been about he would have probably been in his 30s, yeah. Um, early 30s, I think. Mm. He, yeah. I don't know. I think, but well, for one thing, I think he would have been a bit too sexy. Oh. Um, given yeah, that... Sexy teacher. Well, given oh. that Mel Gibson was, at that time period, late 80s, like big Hollywood heartthrob. Yeah. Like, I don't think, if you were doing a modern day version, you wouldn't put Chris Hemsworth in. As... No, no, that's almost a statement in itself. Yeah. Mm. Um, but also, um, one of the reasons that he was on was um, because he worked a lot with Peter Weir at that time. Mm. Uh, he'd obviously done Gallipoli with him. Oh. And then not too long before this film, The Year of Living Dangerously. Um, so, you know, he was a kind of staple choice of, of Peter Weir for these films. I'm glad it's not Mel Gibson. because oh, I, Me too. I mean, a little bit of me is curious to see that. But not enough for me to want it to be the reality. That yeah, happened. I just want to see trailer versions of each of these different potential actors. Yeah, that'd be fun. I was trying to replay some scenes in my mind as as you were saying those ones. I I reckon maybe Mel would have surprised me. Yeah. My first reaction was obviously was like, no. Oh. But uh, <laughs> no, I reckon he maybe maybe could have surprised. What, what sort of a teacher do you think he would have been? Um, well, I think he could have done the like. Ernest looking into their eyes and, and being very passionate and going, no, you, uh, this is important. Stand on your desk, goddammit. Uh, yeah, I reckon he could have done that well and could have done the whole, um, you can do anything you want. Just go and be a free thinker. But I don't think he would have had that caring touch. Like, do you know how earnest Katie, um, Robin Williams was? Yes. Like, do you remember yeah, with like the, well. the acting when they when um, Neil did his performance and he ran out and was like, Neil, you did such an amazing job. Mm. Like, mm. he really cared. He yeah. really had that gentle side. Mm. Yes. Yes. And I think that great. having that gentle side to the teacher as well was really important because mm. that's like he formed that connection with the students. Like, he was inspiring, but he also just had that really gentle rapport mm. with them. That was one of my favorite yeah. scenes. Um, looking back, was mm. was him doing that. And yeah, then just his really showed how much he dad. cared. And then the other boys going out after him, he pulled them back and said no. Because mm. like, mm. yeah. he, he was very aware of, of what was going I, on. I, I think that's fair. I don't think Mel could have done that. And I think it would have been weird when he started shouting, they can take our lives, <laughs> but they can never take our words worth! <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I think, I think they, did a, they did a good choice <laughs> in picking Robin Williams. 
Mm-hmm. Before we get to the scores for this film, I do just want to uh, quickly throw it out to the fact that when we were watching the character of Neil uh, performing in Midsummer's, uh, the play that he was cast in, we all started critiquing his, <laughs> his delivery as uh, the character of Puck. Yeah. Um, did we think it was good? Did we like it? Like, what? How, how was his Puck, Dan? Um, well... Uh, my first, my first thought was, and I think it was, it was just um, me being a, a, a very stereotypical actor going, I could have done that better, um, uh, especially I'd when I'd like to see you as Puck. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would as well. But no, I, I um, uh, yeah, uh, he, uh, I thought the whole point of that of that scene was in his final sort of a um, Puck monologue where he delivered it straight out to his dad doing the whole um, if we shadows have offended think with this and all is mended and that was a wonderful reading and retake of of that um, mm. that monologue and that was delivered beautifully yeah uh, really really like in fact that was my favorite part of, mm. of his character in the entire film um, yeah so that part won me over mm. the the rest I think I was just judging because I'm mm. I'm an arrogant actor type I mean, we didn't get to see the whole performance, which I think is crucial with theatre. Also, also, you never get the same experience with watching a recording of a play. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I love how much he was loving it. Regardless of his acting, he looked like he was really in his element. That's you know? true. Yeah. 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 But I agree definitely with when he delivered that line to his father. That was very impacting. Mm. But I loved his costume, his little twiggy fingers. And <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> All right, we have come to the end of the program, which means that we have to score the film. Uh, this is the part where we give the film a score out of 10. One being, what? Oh, SpaghettiOs. And number 10 being, oh, Captain, my Captain. That was a fine film. Um, Dan, uh, just to show Daisy how it's done, uh, what score would you give Dead Poet Society out of 10? Well, um, I, I actually I actually got to agree with, with both of your reactions. I was a little underwhelmed... On on my rewatching of it, um, uh, I I watched it back in the day because I I idolized Robin Williams and just wanted to lap up everything that he did. Um, but I think what I did back then was uh, sort of highlight his scenes and go, ah, what a magical performance that that's uh, like the the best teacher that could be and and everything. Um, and nowadays on on rewatching a lot of of um, shows and movies have done that again. And maybe this was one of the like early examples of um, uh, the like really good teacher who bucks the system, uh, uh, but like the, the Miss Frizzle of his day, if you mm. will, on the magic school bus of literature. Um, but uh, rewatching it tonight, um, I came to appreciate more the um, sort of kind of realism of, of a lot of the other other parts of it, even though I found a lot of the kids to be a bit forgettable and interchangeable. Mm. Um, it's quite realistic. Children are very forgettable. So. I guess that's well, true. Well, isn't a lot of the movie about the whole conformity? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe we're saying something. I don't know. They're all kind of the same. Mm. Mm. So I I loved it. I loved certain parts of it. There were one or two moments in the film which just, oh, 10 out of 10. Uh, but overall, I think I'm going to have to give it um, out of ten, six um, creepy stairs out of a window. Fair, fair. That is absolutely fair. Daisy, uh, what are you going to give this film out of ten? I think I'm going to be a little bit more generous, but not, but not too much. I was thinking a seven. Yeah, probably a seven. Like I, d- I definitely enjoyed it, but I think for me it was a, it was a bit slow. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, again, picnic at Hanging Rock. It's it's, yes. it's 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 that kind of just Peter Weir likes to luxuriate. Um, and if you're into it, it's amazing. And if you're not into it, you're kind of looking at your watch. But um, at least you've got food at the picnic. That's true. Looking Again, at your watch or your letter it. opener. Mm, That's true. Yeah, the the watch on uh, Mr. Perry's bedside unit. Um, we we weren't sure initially. It looked like there was a knife. <laughs> Because uh, of the angle, and then we were like, "Oh wait, no, that's probably his watch." I don't think he just sleeps with a with a dagger next. But to he his does bed. sleep with a gun next to his bed, as well, we found that's out. True, true. Mm. But you know, that's that's home safety. You know, that's that's good old American home safety. <laughs> no way it can backfire in any way, and completely destroy your life through horrible parenting. For me, I'm gonna <laughs> give it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, for me, I am going to give this film. Um, 
I'm going to give it seven desk stands out of out mm. of ten, um, which is about the ratio in the final class. Yeah, right? yeah, it's um, it's it's good, but it, I said good with like a bit of an inflection on the mm. second O there, which I think is indicative of this film is not something that I necessarily loved, but it's very well made. It tells a compelling story. I was I was pretty devastated with with the suicide and all the fallout from that. Um, but at the same time, I do I, I kind of agree with your point, Dan, that I think we've seen this sort of story told better subsequently. Mm. Um, but there's little doubt that that Dead Poets Society um, had an impact on those stories that came afterwards. Mm. Yes, um, I, re- I reckon at its time it would have it would have been. And had I seen it back then, I would have been like, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, ultimately though, it's it, it's it's a seven. It's a good solid film, and I would recommend it to people. It's it's good fun, um, you know, except for the suicide at the end and the final twenty minutes of heartbreak. But you know, the lead up is uh, is kind of fun. Uh, that is all for this episode. So uh, Dan and Daisy, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. No worries. Pleasure to be here. Mm, thank you. Oh, I, can I just say one more derisive Cameron? Yes. <laughs> Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for tuning in. Hey, Facebook exists. That's a social media thing. And we're on there. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club and you can get updates about the program, vote and polls and all that sort of thing. Uh, so just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on your Facebook page. We also have a Patreon that you can become an official member of the club and get some bonus extra goodies. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash podcast and uh, make your contributions there. And, of course, make sure that you're subscribed to get a fresh episode each and every week on your podcast provider of choice. But that's all for this week, so until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. I'm exercising the right not to say goodbye. <laughs> you know what? You keep doing yeah. that, Chief. The cat, <laughs> the cat sat on the mat. <laughs>